Creative Studio Academy, Semester 1, Session 4. Welcome to the Creative Studio Academy. This is the podcast to help you learn and explore how you can start and improve your skills with online content creation. My name is Joshua Rivers, and I will be your guide on this journey. I'm so glad you decided to come back to Creative Studio Academy today. And today we're going to talk about five key components for your website. Going into this, my assumption is that you are an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, or that you're wanting to be an entrepreneur, that you're wanting to pursue the type of thing, either that or you are really serious about trying to do something with online content creation. To do this, you will very most likely be needing a website of some sort. And so we're going to look at some key components that you need to be thinking about and implementing if you have not already gotten a website. And even some of these things, if you already have a website, things that you can look at to try to improve those things as you go forward. Some of these things I'm going to be working on for myself as well. And so so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and start with number one, and that is website hosting. So you can't have a website without hosting it somewhere on a server out there on the internet. And so I did write a blog post covering this topic, and I'll have links to those in the show notes, which you can get at creativestudio.academy slash one dash four. And so you can be able to take a look at that, give us a little bit more insight into what happens as far as um, online on the World Wide Web, and then also for some more specifics about web hosting. As a summary, there's basically three ways that you're going to look at trying to host your website. First of all is shared hosting. Shared hosting is where you are on a server with many other websites that are out there, many other domains that are out there. And so you're taking basically one computer and having a whole bunch of stuff on there. And as long as one or several of them are not doing too much, it can run pretty smoothly. So just like your own personal computer, if you have one or two programs open, you can usually use them both fairly flawlessly. Not many hiccups, not many things to slow it down. But you start opening up more and more things, and sometimes you open up bigger programs, it starts to slow your computer down. Same thing happens on websites, and especially with shared hosting. If you have too much that are uh, is on there, and those sites start to grow, they start to take away the resources from the other websites that are on there, and they all slow down as a result. So that's one of the negative aspects, but it is very affordable, and it's very reasonable for the average person getting started. 
And that is what I currently have at the point that we are recording this. And it does well enough for me at this point. At some point, though, I may have to go to the second level, which is dedicated hosting. Dedicated hosting is instead of sharing that server, that computer with many other websites, you have an entire one just for yourself. So you don't have to worry about sharing those resources with other people. Now, of course, this comes at a more premium cost. So it costs a lot more to be able to get the dedicated hosting than the shared hosting. But if your website is large enough and you need the speed, then it may justify the cost of doing that. And then the third one is a virtual private server, which is similar to dedicated hosting, except it's kind of souped up a little bit more. And so if you uh, really start to grow, that may be an option that you may need to look at as well. And so, but again, it's a lot more expensive. And so you would probably need to be generating a decent income before you would possibly look at that option. When it comes to choosing a particular host, the one that I use and recommend is Bluehost. And that is the uh, sponsor, uh, kind of the unofficial sponsor for this particular session. So Bluehost is a great host that specializes with um, or makes it easier for people to install WordPress, which is the next thing that we're going to talk about the platform that I suggested you build your website on, it tailors to that. It makes it very easy to be able to install and be able to maintain your WordPress website. And so I would highly recommend using Bluehost. And I do have an affiliate link, which means that if you use that link and you sign up for Bluehost using that link, it's not going to cost you any extra, but I'm going to get a little bit of uh, kickback for that for you using that link. And so that would be something, again, that would be able to help this podcast and the company behind it, Deb by JR, to be able to take care of the costs that are associated with running this site. And so you can be able to get that link by going to creativestudio.academy slash bluehost. And you can be able to sign up for that there. Of course, you can also just look at the details before you purchase. And so, which is something I would highly recommend before you make any purchase like this anyway. And so the first thing you need is website hosting, something to host your website. Down the road, we're going to talk a little bit more about another type of hosting that you're going to need. And that is if you're going to be podcasting or having any kind of uh, major or regular um multimedia and so and that that's something that we're going to cover in a different um, podcast session and so but for now a website hosting number two you need wordpress or at least that is my recommendation and so there are many different ways that you could be able to build your website when i started doing websites i just did it completely from scratch i just sat basically with a blank page and i started typing code and created the website that way and as I started to advance, the code got more advanced, but it was still starting things from scratch and manipulating the code to do the things that I needed to make the website turn out. There are also some other alternatives, and there is uh, some some other CMSs, some content management systems that are out there that 
help to be able to build websites as well. There's Drupal, there's Joomla, um, there's uh, some other different programs, Ruby on Rails, and a lot of other ones that are out there. But the one that I started using a couple years ago and I've come familiar with and I would highly recommend for people, especially someone that wants to kind of manage their own website, but they don't want to get into the code. They don't want to get into really technical things and they don't want to have to hire out all the time for being able to do that. And so one of the easy things to be able to use, or at least for the simple things, one of the easy things is using WordPress. And so... Yes, there is some kind of learning curve to it. It's not um, like super, super simple, but it's basic enough that it's easy to be able to learn. And once you learn where things are and how to do it, it's not that difficult to be able to go in and be able to do things. And so the way WordPress works is if, um, if you would imagine a car. And so with a car, you have just a couple basic pieces, if you will, to the car. There is a frame for the car, there's the body of the car, and then there's the engine. And of course, there are additional features that make the car um, more functional, useful, or even just stylish. And so, if you want to take that analogy, WordPress is the engine of the car. It's what makes everything run. It powers the entire vehicle or the entire website. A theme is would be the frame and the body of the car. And so this is how the website looks. And so it gives the overall shape. It shows where everything lays out on the website. It has the colors. It has all those different types of things that are in there. That's in the theme of the website. And then the third thing is the plugins. Those are the additional features. And so plugins can also do some as far as how it looks and how it runs. Uh, but for the most part, these are just different functionalities, different actions that can be able to take place. Some of the actions and some of the things take place in the background that are not visible to the user. Some of them are things that are on the front end that the user would use and interact with. And so there's a wide variety of different things there. The plugins help to add those additional features. And so Regarding themes, there's a wide variety. There's thousands of free themes that are available on the WordPress repository. If you go to wordpress.org and you can be able to look and search for different themes that are out there. These are free and these are if the ones that you find on wordpress.org. These are ones are ones that have been pre-screened and meet certain qualifications. So it's not just a bunch of hackers that have put this code into the website that's going to take information and modify things that you're not wanting it to. These are things that are trusted and have been through um, some filters through um, WordPress. So there's also a lot of other themes that you can be able to purchase. These are premium themes and the prices can vary from tens of dollars to hundreds of dollars, maybe even more. And so there's a wide variety. And so there's some um, that are done by individuals or some that are done by companies. And so there's a wide variety of different themes that are out there. And so, and so, and then uh, which one is best? Well, it all depends on what you need. So the basic thing is, is find the one that's going to do what you need it to. 
there have been times that I've worked with clients and I was showing them some different premium themes and none of them quite resonated with them so much. But then they ended up finding a free theme that did exactly what they were looking for. And so just because it's a premium thing that you pay for, it's not always going to fit your need. And so there are some uh, themes that I like particularly and they may not work for you though. And so, because it all depends on what your style is, it depends on what type of content that you're providing. And so it's all on, on a case by case basis when it comes to looking for a theme. And so along with themes, there's also something that's known as a framework. And so a framework is something that adds additional functionality to themes. And so it kind of takes the theme and kind of breaks it up into a couple different uh, pieces, if you will. And so um, instead of the theme encompassing the frame and the body, it separates it. And so then it has the frame. It kind of the, the framework is kind of what gives it the overall structure. There's some flexibility um, even within that, but it gives it just that basic framework. And then you can have the body on the outside. And that is, that's when you would use something called a child theme. And so that child theme is then that exterior body. That is the, uh, the theme basically that you would be using as you're looking at that. And so the advantage of having something that's built on a framework like that is that there are additional features and functionality that's already built in. And it's a lot easier for someone to be able to come in and not have to go and look for additional things. The drawback though, for using a framework like that would be that if you were to ever change your website down the road, you want to give a new look, you want to kind of revamp some things you may be losing some of the functionality that is already built in if you go away from that framework. And so that would be a downfall and that you'd have to find a way then to be able to um, compensate for whatever functionality that that was being taken care of in the, um, in that framework. And so there's a lot of different options. And so um, I was able to speak with a, uh, a guy at a WordCamp that I went to recently in Kansas city and I'm working on lining him up to be able to interview him. And he also has a slide presentation that he gave that talks about how to pick the ideal theme or the best theme that you would need for your website. And so I'm going to be working with him to be able to get a copy of that, to be able to make available and then also I'm going to be trying to get him on to have an interview with him to be able to discuss some different things, not that topic per se, but there's some other things that he deals with, um, such as email lists and with content management, with marketing and some different things along those lines. And we're going to talk to him about some of those different things. I just have to nail down when that interview is going to be able to take place. And so some of that stuff will probably be um, a little more premium as far as it's going to be just available for my email subscribers. And so, which you can be able to go to the website and sign up for that over on the sidebar. So regarding key components for your website, number one, website hosting, number two, WordPress, number three is your about page. Now, this is something that I'm going to be working on 
for myself. And so I need to develop my about page even better than what it is. And so I've been doing a lot of things and things have gotten crazy. And so I just put this together, but I didn't spend the time that I should have to be able to make that about page as good as it's going to be. And so they say that the about page on your website is at least in the top five or 10 pages that are visited on your website. It's one of the top pages. And so that's a page that a lot of people go to when they first come to your site. So they might come to your site. They look at a blog post. They might look at a certain page that you have. Might even just be the homepage. They look at a few things. Well, this looks kind of interesting. So let's see a little bit more. See if I can find some more information about who this person is or what this company is about. So they go to the about page and they can be able to get that information. So you want to create that about page to be as good and as sharp as you can possibly be. And as you're doing that, you want to think of the user first. What is it that they are looking for? What is it that they want? And so I'm going to read a a couple of the bullet points here from Michael Hyatt's book platform, which you can get at creativestudio.academy slash platform. And in chapter 29, he talks about creating a better about page and he lists several things that you want to keep in mind as you're developing this. I'm not going to go into detail right now, but these are some things that you want to keep in mind. First of all, you want to write in the first person. You want to make it personal. You want to let them know that, uh, especially if it's a company, you want to let them know that there's a person that is behind it. It's not just robots that are back there taking care of their business. Uh, So write in the first person. Number two, write in a conversational style. Don't make it sound like a legal document. And so make it its own personal, make it sound like you're having a conversation with a person. Number three, start with the reader's priorities. So again, your audience has to come first. What is it that they want? Okay. First of all, they want to look for what is this about? What is in it for them? Why should they stay on their page? What's the benefits for them to be there? Number four, tell them a little bit about yourself. No, don't go into your whole history. Just tell them a quick little two, three sentence, little snippet about who you are, what you do, and kind of just kind of state your credentials even. Uh, Not to like to really pat yourself on the back or anything, but just enough to kind of get a little glimpse of who you are. And number five, tell them about your blog or your website. Tell them what uh, what it's all about. Just give a little summary of what they can be able to expect. That goes into number six as well. Set their expectations. So let them know what that they can be able to expect from your website. And so kind of similar to what I did in episode uh, one of this podcast is I went through and I try to set the expectations for you of what you can be able to expect on this podcast, on the website, and things that come down the road. And so just to set your expectations, that way you know what you're in for so that you can decide then if it's something that you are interested in going further with. 
Number seven, he says to invite them to subscribe. And so that's one of the things that you want to try to do is you want to try to build an email list. You want to try to get people that they'll automatically be notified when you post something new on your website, when something new comes down the line, you have a new product or service. And so you want to be able to do that. Now, as you do that, you want to let them know again what to expect when they subscribe. And so there are some uh, email lists that I'm a part of that I signed up for, and some of them is just whenever they post a new blog post that I get notified of that. There's others to where I don't get notified of any of their blog posts. It's just every once a week or twice or or every other week or something like that. They send out an email with just some information. Um, So usually just kind of a, a, a more personalized special blog post just for the people on the email list that doesn't even show up on their blog. And there's others that kind of do a combination. There's some that use it only for promoting their business. And so there's one that I'm a part of that the only time I get an email is whenever he has a new product to launch or whenever a a new course is going to be starting. And so, but he let people know up front that that's what it was for. So let them know what they expect. Don't just uh, get their email address and start spamming them with stuff. Let them know. Number eight, point them to your top blog posts. And so, uh, again, this is assuming that you're going to be blogging. Let them know what it is that is the best things that you have on there. These may be the things that are the top ranking, the ones that have the most uh, views and or maybe the most engagement, the most comments on your website. It might just be something that you think is really important that would be pertinent to them. So point them to your top posts. And so you can even kind of break it down. If you cover two or three or four topics, you can kind of say, okay, for topic number one, here's two or three blog posts. For topic number two, here's a couple of blog posts. You can do it that way, or you can just say, okay, here's my top five blog posts or my top 10 blog posts that I would recommend that you start with. And so then, then we come to number nine. This is when you can provide a more thorough biography of yourself. And you want to try to let them know who you are, but you want to try to keep it relevant to whatever the content is that your website is covering. Number 10, tell them how to contact you. And so this is going to kind of double up with another point that we're going to cover here in a little bit, but just simply tell them how they could be able to get a hold of you. And so you don't want to be this mysterious person that is out there, but they don't know how to really get a hold of you. And so I find that really annoying when I'm on a website and I want to be able to contact someone because I have a question, but I don't know how to contact them. And so let them know, make it easy for them to be able to contact you. And so, yes, we all want to avoid spam. We don't want to get spammed by a lot of different things, but if there is someone that really want is interested in what you have, someone that really wants to get a hold of you, you want to make it easy for them to be able to find you. Number 11, include a photo or a video. And so you want that way you can have that visual representation of yourself. And so uh, a photo obviously just uh, get, gives that uh, quick at a, at a moment's glance of uh, who you are and kind of uh, visually tells about yourself and a video takes it even a step further because then you can have the, the movement and the emotion and the tone of your voice and so forth that is able to come through. 
And so you can be able to include a photo or a video of yourself. And then he says, number 12, add a colophone. And so these are, it's a fancy word or fancy to me, a uh, word that basically just kind of tells about what kind of like the behind the scenes of the website. And so um, just some basic information like, okay, I'm using WordPress and it's, I've used this theme and these are some of the fonts that I use and, and some of the details like that. And so, because there might be someone that comes to your website and say, Hey, I really like this. So I'd like to come up, maybe not completely copy it, but I'd like to be able to do something similar. And so I really like the font that they're using. So what font is that? Well, you can leave that information there and they might be able to benefit from having that. And then number 13 he has is consider a dis, um, having a disclaimer. And so um, if this is a, a a personal website and you work for a company or uh, maybe you're just an author on the, on the website, uh, you can have a disclaimer uh, kind of saying that the, the, the views are your own. And it's not at the company and things like that. You see those disclaimers all over the place. And so just kind of people kind of covering themselves, companies covering themselves so that, if there's a person that writes something that is contrary to the company standing, um, then people can know that it's not necessarily the company that's endorsing what the person is saying. And so just some things to be able to keep in, in mind as you try to develop your about page. And so again, I'm going to be doing some things to tweak my own about page. And so hopefully uh, before too long, you can be able to visit my about page and start seeing some of those things implemented. And I'm going to be looking even at some other resources to be able to make the about page the best I can possibly make it for people. I've also created something that kind of goes along with an about page, something that's special just for podcast listeners. And, and I've put together a welcome page which again, I need to develop a little bit better, but it's going to follow a similar format to this, but it's going to be tailored especially for people that are coming from listening to the podcast. And so you can be able to go see mine if you go to creativestudio.academy slash welcome. And that'll take you there to where it's kind of like a getting started kind of thing. And so kind of just gives an overview of the website and things like that because a lot of times you'll have someone that listens to a podcast but they never go to the website they don't see the blog posts and so when they finally do they don't know what to expect on the actual website because they're used to hearing the podcast but not necessarily to seeing your website and so the three uh three things we mentioned so far website hosting Number two is WordPress. Number three, about page. Number four is a contact page. Now we did mention about leaving contact information on the about page, but you also want to have a special page that is just for contact information. And so this is where you can also have a form that is uh, built into the page so that they can be able to fill out the form and send you an email. And so this is a way if you don't want to just put your email address on there because sometimes um, uh, spammers can be able to, uh, get that email address and be able to spam you. And having the form is kind of a buffer to reduce the amount of spam. And so anyways, you can have that, you can list your email address. If you like, you can list a phone number, you can list your social media 
handles and things like that so they can be able to uh, get a hold of you. So whatever way that you'd like to be able to uh, make available for people to contact you, you want to leave that available to them there. And with that, you want to have that be on your menu as well so that someone comes to your website, it doesn't matter which page they land on, they can always find that contact button or it could even be feedback. And so both of those seem to be used interchangeably. And it might even be wise to have um, one that leads back to the other. So if you have a contact page, you can create a feedback page that just forwards to the contact page so that if someone puts in contact or feedback that it can take to take them to the same place. And so you want to have that. Then the last one is an email list. And so we kind of mentioned this already uh, to try to get people to click to to subscribe. And so as they say, the money is in the list. And so whoever they are, um, the experts, I suppose, that have been part of the online marketing. Um, and so even before email and the online world uh, really boomed, uh, one of the big things was just collecting addresses and be able to get that um, those addresses so that people can be able to mail things in the mail. And so uh, to be able to advertise that way or even just for uh, legitimate businesses, just to legitimately stay in contact with the clients or customers that they've had. And so you want to be building an email list. It's a way for you to be able to have a deeper intimacy with those that are visiting your website, those that are listening to your podcast. And so the email list, again, you don't want to make it spammy. You don't want to do anything shady. You want to be upfront with what you're using it for. And of course, uh, you don't want to be selling their email address. So you don't want to get their email address and then send it off to someone else or sell it off or anything like that. So you want to take care of that because they are trusting you with that. And so a person's email inbox is... Uh, a, a very sacred place to a lot of people. Some people, they don't care. They just go off and they just do whatever with it. But for a lot of people, it's an intimate place. It's something where uh, not everybody has their email address. And so there's some people that they have a separate email address that they use just for signing up for different things, just so they don't have to deal with any spam that might come as a result of it. You don't want to be put on that kind of list. You want to be trusted enough that people will give them, uh, give you their email that they will check and they will look at because you're going to be providing them with some great things. And so that's what you want to try to do. We'll look at more about building or starting and building and being able to maximize your email list down the road. And so this, again, is something I need some work on. And so I've learned some things and I've got going and I've been able to build up uh, somewhat of a list, but it's not a, a huge list. And I know there's a lot of things I could do better with my list. And so we're going to try to look at what we can be able to do to make that better in future sessions. And so just in summary, the five key components that you need for your website, number one, website hosting, number two, WordPress, number three, an about page, number four, a contact page, and the number five an email list. These are five key components that you need to have for your website. And so that's not even talking about blogging and things like that. Those are other things that are good to have as well. But these five things are essential. 
without the website hosting, you can't even have a website. And WordPress is the best to be able to build on, to be able to provide your visitors with the best experience possible. You need to have those about page and contact pages for people to be able to get a hold of you, find out some more information. And then the email list helps you to be able to engage and be able to have that deeper relationship with them more than just a casual visitor to your website. And so you want to be able to put these things into place. Now, as we wrap up, I do want to again mention that you can be able to get the show notes to this by going to creativestudio.academy slash one dash four. And that'll get you to the show notes there, be able to get the notes for what we talked about, and then also all the links to the different resources that we mentioned as we went through here. And so we talked about Bluehost, and then we also talked about WordPress and some things that you can be able to have with that. And then also we did mention some things out of Michael Hyatt's book, Platform. And so all those things will be available in the show notes if you're interested in looking into any of those. And also, I would recommend and uh, I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe in iTunes and then also take a minute to be able to rate and review this podcast there. And so you can give it whatever rating you feel that it's worth. Obviously, I would hope that it'd be five stars, but whatever you think it's worth, go ahead and leave a review there. And if you do leave a five star review, I will in future episodes uh, start to uh, mention those. Um, in the podcast itself and so uh, if you have a website of your own that you would like me to mention to go alongside that just make sure you put that inside your review and so you can put your review and then at the end you can put your name and your website and I can make sure to mention it if you do that and so I would greatly appreciate that and it also be able to leave those reviews in iTunes helps it to be a lot more visible to other people that are looking for this kind of content as well. And so with that, I thank you and hope you have a great day and we will see you next session.